You're listening to the Gender Reveal Party Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Pryor. This isn't your usual gender reveal party. There will be no baby sex parts. This is the real reveal, where we reveal gender through stories of brave humans willing to share their lived experience. Enjoy the listening. I sure enjoy making it. Hi, and welcome back to the Gender Reveal Party. I'm Jay Pryor, your host. Thanks again for joining us. Today's interview is with Tristan Reese. Up until now, every single person that you've met has been somebody who's a good friend of mine. And a lot of the other interviews are going to be good friends of mine. I'm so blessed, first of all, to have a lot of friends. I'm a huge extrovert, so I love people. And um, I've been in an out queer for 30 years. So I just know a lot of people um, that are out. So I'm very, very blessed to have mostly my friends coming to talk to me. This person, uh, Tristan, is a friend of mine, but he's not somebody who I know very well. We are mostly acquaintances and colleagues. I was introduced to Tristan by another trans guy uh, because uh, Tristan and I have a lot in common. We are both uh, family humans. We're both people who love family and who have children and who are creating family. And I believe that that's how we met. So we had another friend in common that knew that we were both parents and uh, of trans kids and or kids in general. And so uh, we hooked up that way and just um, know each other as colleagues and um, another transhuman out there making a huge difference. So Tristan actually is a consultant around race. Uh, he spends his time mostly um, helping white people deal with their fragility helping white people have difficult conversations around race. And he has been an out transhuman for a long time. And the level of generosity that I want you to get of him coming on this show and sharing his story. So every single person that comes on this show and shares their story is putting their life in danger. I mean, it, it, let, let's get real about this. For trans people to be out, it's, it's a thing. Right? <laughs> Some people think it's a political act. I've been out since I was 18. And I can't ever imagine not being out. And so for me, it's just who I am and what I do. And there's a difference between being out and being out. Right? And so I'm really out there. And a lot of the people that I've interviewed have been really out there. And Tristan's one of them. And um, I find that to be generous. I feel like that is a hugely generous act that he is willing to come on here and share his story. So I want to honor Tristan. I want to thank Tristan. Um, for coming on and sharing his story. And I'm excited for you to hear his story and to um, hopefully learn from this uh, really cool human. Welcome, Tristan Reese. Tristan, welcome to the Gender Reveal Party. I am so excited to have you here with us. Friends, this is my friend and colleague, Tristan Reese, and he has a beautiful and particular story to share with you. As you know, on the Gender Reveal Party, it is my commitment to bring you people whose gender is outside the box of the norm of the binary and also who do powerful things in the world. So welcome, Tristan. It's so great to be with you today. Well, I love a party. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming to the gender reveal party. I'd love to just toss the ball to you and have you share. You're going to be better at introducing yourself than I am. So I would love for you to introduce yourself and share all the great things that you're up to in the world. Oh man. Yeah. I hate that question. Cause I, you know, I just, I do, I just feel like I'm some random guy, you know, I'm still like, why is anybody listening to me? I'm just a random dude. Um, but I can tell you why some people say that they listen to me 
and we'll see how that goes. Um, Sounds good. So yeah, I'm a white transgender man, a parent living in Portland, Oregon. Um, my partner and I became parents overnight to my partner's biological niece and nephew. So my sister-in-law um, wasn't found herself unable to give her kids the kind of life that they needed and deserved. And so they came to live with us for a little while. And then that little while became a long while and a long while became forever. And we formally, officially, legally adopted them and became our for their forever family in 2015. Um, and at that point, uh, we knew we wanted to grow our family. We weren't sure how we could do it. And after some discernment, it became clear that actually the most straightforward, cheapest, emotionally sustainable way was for me to go off of testosterone, for my partner to knock me up, and for us to have a biological child. So we did that. And I gave birth to our third kid. Leo in 2017. And I wrote a book about it. And a lot of my professional life is focused around trans family building and family formation and queer family building and fertility and all of those things. Um, yeah. And so I spent, you know, about a year and a half doing that. Oh no, two and a half years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a long time <laughs> at family equality doing that work. Uh, and now uh, I've officially quit my day job last year, which I don't know if you know, and now I run nice. my own consulting firm. So I get to work for myself, which I love. Turns out I am a great boss to myself. Oh, good. And I'm a great employee to myself. So, <laughs> That's so yeah, now I get to do this work as my job job, which I just totally love. That's fantastic. And who are your clients? Who do you consult with? Man, you know... I my background is actually in anti-racism work, working with white people and white-led organizations um, to have the kinds of behind-closed-doors conversations that white people can and should um, have with each other to, to do, as they say, to get our cousins, uh, to whip people into shape, um, to you know, really have the, the kinds of transformative and healing uh, discussions about how to build more equitable systems um, and then to work across lines of difference to do that. And so that's really, I would say 80% of my work is really squarely in the anti-racism space. And then 20%, I work with uh, adoption agencies, surrogacy centers, medical providers, um, fertility clinics to totally revitalize their cultures, their systems, um, to better understand, support, and welcome queer and trans folks who come through their doors, either literally or digitally. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. And thank you for that introduction. One of the things that I want to just point out for my audience is, for me anyway, you're very tender, like you're very compassionate, like you come from this place of like love and compassion all the time. Um, and I just so appreciate that. And I just if you could speak to just a second, like, okay, so I've seen the gender reveal party, right? You know, in the gender reveal party, I talk about going off testosterone, what that was like for me um, a little bit. I don't have, you know, like one of the things I love about these interviews is I get to go a little deeper into those subjects that I didn't have time to go into in the show. I've I got some, I've got some other bits, but for me going off testosterone was, was like, a hilarity in and of itself. <laughs> and it was, you know, obviously I didn't do it to have a baby, but what I found was, and I'm curious about this for you, you were younger when you went off and I don't know how many years you'd been, how many years you'd been on testosterone when you went off? 15. 15, right? So I had been on 18 now and they told us, right? I don't know if they told you this, but they told me I'd already gone through 
menopause. Like that wasn't there. Was, none of that was going to be able be viable. Right. Did they tell you the same things? The no, not at all. Oh, um, interesting. So initially when I went on testosterone, like whatever, 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. that was when I was told, I mean, I even had to sign a form that basically said, look, you're going to testosterone. This is going to make you sterile. Oh, wow. So I had to sign a consent Because how form. old were you when you did that? 20, 20. Yeah. Say I was 33, 30, almost 35. I was 34, almost 35. And maybe they just figured by that time, who cares? I don't know. But I don't they know. Didn't. And maybe because you were in Portland and I was in Washington, D.C. Who knows? No, I was in L.A. back then. Oh, were you in L.A. Yeah, then? Yeah. Yep. yep. Huh. So I remember I had to sign a form. And in fact, he told me, you know, testosterone will render your uterus an uninhabitable environment. And none of that that he gave. And see, none of that's true. None of that is true. None of that is true. Well, none of that. It's not science. It's not evidence based. It's never been. There's never been a study to show that testosterone makes someone sterile. Like that's just never. It's not. It's not real. It's not. It's not real. (laughs) It's not real. And one of the reasons I think it's so important that we talk about this because I don't even like to entertain the 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 worry conversations about people going on testosterone, but I like to make sure they have accurate information and this whole thing about doing something permanent to ruin yourself as a, I mean, it's just not true. <laughs> they don't know. They don't, first of all, I don't think they know enough about women's bodies period. Right. And then they certainly don't know the impact on women's bodies going on testosterone or female born bodies going on testosterone right there. They don't, they don't have the, they don't have any information. They told me that I went through menopause already. I went off testosterone within two months my menses was kicked back in. And before that, I was always somebody who didn't, you know, I was like, I never had a regular period ever, like ever. <laughs> I just, that wasn't even happening before I went off testosterone or went on. Then I went off and then it was like clockwork for like two years. Now I'm 55 and I'm going through, I've stopped and it feels, and I'm hot all the time. <laughs> like definitely actual menopause. going through actual menopause now. Right. For a minute there, I was teased about this because I had a, uh, I do energy work, body work, and I had an energy, energy worker working on me. And she said, your ovaries, this is right after I went off testosterone a couple months. And she was like, your ovaries are big and fluffy. Like you're 33. And I was like, are, are you telling me I just froze those? (laughs) I put them on ice for like 18 years. I was literally thinking I was probably going to have a period until I was in my late 70s or something. No, I mean, this is also what's really fascinating is that even if you're not menstruating and even if you're not ovulating, right? So if you don't have a menstrual cycle because it's been hit pause either through uh, because of testosterone or if you're on, you know, if you're a non-transgender person, if you're a non-transgender woman and you're on like Devo Provera shot, right? If you're not menstruating, your body is still shedding eggs. Your body still absorbs I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of eggs like back into its system every single month. So no, you don't get to just like bank those eggs in right. your ovaries because they're not <laughs> ovulating and then getting, uh, you know, um, your body isn't shedding them through right. menstruation. No, your body is still absorbing thousands of eggs every single month, mm-hmm. um, whether you are, whether they're actually coming out through menstruation or not. That was another thing that I was like, ooh, maybe I'm like hyper fertile. <laughs> Because I pause maybe for 15 years. No, right. not at all. Your body is still absorbing the same number of eggs that it would otherwise. Right. Um, 
it's just not coming through the fallopian tubes and the uterus and the blah 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 blah, blah, blah all the medical right. stuff so right. yeah right, and right, right. and so yes i was told early on it was going to be sterile that didn't end up being true but when i went off of testosterone by then i mean we're talking about 2015 2016 when this is all happening by then there was dozens of studies i wouldn't say dozens but dozen singular. Um, there were quite a few studies about the effects of testosterone on short, medium, and long-term fertility. And I, I dug into that research really pretty intensively. And, and my father is an endocrinologist. And so he even was able to get access to academics and medical studies that were kind of behind the paywall there. Um, and to be honest, they were written so inaccessibly that I had to like call my dad and be like, dad, will you explain this to me as if I'm 10? And then I still didn't get, it. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Will you explain this to me as if I'm five, right? right? Like, like really dumb it down. And he was the one who had, who looked at all of the studies that exist academically and medically rigorous studies, peer reviewed studies and said, testosterone may hit pause on your f- fertility. It doesn't cancel it. It doesn't break the fertility factory. Mm-hmm. It just shuts it down for a second. Right. And you, when you stop taking your testosterone, everything kicks back into gear, barring other complications, right? Trans people can have PCOS or fibroids or block tubes, same as anybody else, but not more so. Right. Right. And, you know, all evidence shows that unless there is something else going on, you should be able to go off of your testosterone. Everything kicks back into gear. So no, you did not go through menopause. You went through something else, uh, a sort of temporary menopause. Right. Just put them on pause or put them on hold for a while. That's right. That's right. And then you can unpause and regain your cycle. But age really is the most important factor for fertility for trans people. Again, if you're, you know, if you imagine a cisgender woman at 40, right, the ovarian reserve, the number of eggs you have by then is not great. And the likelihood that that the eggs that you do have are going to have be impacted by your age, just higher right? Same as everyone else. So your rates of miscarriage will go up. Your rates of non-viable pregnancy will go up. All the same things that anybody else that same age would go through, but not more and not less, just like the same, which is fascinating. Fascinating. Bodies are amazing. Aren't they? They blow my mind. (laughs) I mean, it just blows my mind, all of it. I have been um, now, because I I went off and then I've been off and I'm, I went off because I'm a nine always was a non-binary human and never wanted to be a man or identified as a man. That was my story. You went off specifically to have a baby. And so when I went off, then, you know, it took, I would say almost, it felt like three years for it to all like the things to happen. But did you, because when I like, all my hair fell off, right? I was super hairy guy, <laughs> super hairy guy. All my, I'm now female body, everything, right? So my hair's all gone. My, you know, I tease because my wife used to tease me that I had fur pants. No more, right? None of that. So I'm just completely, except for my beard, which stayed, but it's soft, like an old lady beard, right? It's super soft. My beard had gotten thick and red and was bright red, right? And was really thick. And now it's like just old lady soft beard. You know, it's like, I call it my old lady beard because it's soft. I got my lady butt back. I got the hips. I got, and I'm totally soft, old lady, you know, lady skin, um, all that kind of stuff. So did you, ha- did you lose hair and then gain hair? Did like, how did that going off, going back on? How did that work? And when did well, you go back on after the baby was born? Because, you know, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, the data shows that if you stop taking testosterone for the purpose of getting pregnant, you're not going to see too many of those secondary sex characteristics like the hair, the veins in your hands. Maybe you got more of an Adam's apple. Your skin is a little that might your hair might soften. Your hips might soften. Not too much, because what we see in the data is that most trans men and non-binary people assigned female at birth get pregnant at rates similar to cisgender women. So if you're trying to get pregnant, you're likely going to get pregnant within six months, Got same it. as everyone else. Right. You know, if it goes beyond six months, you're going to go see a provider because there is something else going on. Again, blocked tubes, fibroids, PCOS, something else that's not related to being trans as far as we know. Um, and so you're really only talking about being off of T for six months. Maybe nine months, depending on if you, the, you know, how so long then you're while waiting. you were pregnant, you went back on T? No. So oh, you're I was going to say. You're a, yeah, there's a, it's a chronology, right? So you're right. off until you get pregnant and then your body goes buck wild anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, all kinds of, all kinds of things are happening in your body <laughs> yeah. through pregnancy. Sure. That like not having as much leg hair is the least of your concerns. Right. Sure. You know, like you're growing a human and all kinds of other weird things are happening because your body is like literally creating new blood cells, millions of them by the right. second mm -hmm. for this new human, you know? And so there's all kinds of other things going on. So usually, I mean, the hair thing is, is complicated because the body actually sheds zero hair cells while pregnant. We're not sure why, hmm. but that's this is often a joke in the trans pregnancy community is that's when your beard actually becomes the, the most luscious it's ever been. Wow. Um, because, of, I mean, cisgender women will talk about like pregnancy hair. I mean, thick, beautiful, like a horse's yeah. tail because your body doesn't shed any yeah. skin cells, any hair cells. Again, we don't know why we also, I mean, there's lots of things about pregnancy. We don't, we don't understand why. Um, but so the hair thing, that's, it, it's complicated. Your beard's going to get gorgeous at that time, but then it's going to, then it's going to fall out afterwards because that's when your body sheds all the hairs. Again, people, cisgender women talk about postpartum hair and they're like, oh my God, it comes out in chunks. So so you're really not, and your hips and your butt, like that's going to get big no matter what. If you haven't had top surgery, you know, your chest is going to grow. Again, your body is accommodating a literal human being inside of it. Right. So you're off testosterone the whole time. Um, and then once you give birth, there's no, there is no um, agreed upon norms or even suggestions for when it's appropriate to go back on testosterone afterwards. The, the variables are thus, right? Are you going to feed the baby using your body? If you're going to be feeding the, your, the baby using your own body, if you're going to be body feeding, don't go back on testosterone because the creation of milk postpartum is solely hormonally dependent. Right. That's why the postpartum period is so difficult for people because your body is being literally flooded by estrogen so that you will create more milk. And that also has the, the secondary impact of making you a little bit often more emotional, um, more moody and prone to perinatal mood disorders, anxiety, depression, mania, sure. psychosis. All of that really is about the hormones that are being flooded with, that your body's being flooded with both to heal the wet tissue from childbirth and to make sure that you're producing the milk that your baby needs. Yeah. So yeah. they say, if, you're, if you are body feeding, wait a little bit until your milk supply is established. And then again, there's no agreement about whether or not it's okay to be on testosterone while you're body feeding once your supply has been established. 
We don't know. Some people believe that there's so little testosterone that gets into the milk and then the oral, can it be metabolized by a baby's body? We don't really know. So some people say it's probably okay. Other people are like, eh, maybe like any testosterone in human milk isn't a good idea. So let's not do it. But there is no widely established norms specifically around um, whether someone should be body feeding while they're on testosterone. So it's a little bit of a, um, you know, providers try to just give trans folks all the information and then allow, it's the same as like, should you be on your antidepressants while you're pregnant, right? Some people are like, mm, I'd like to not be depressed while I'm pregnant and postpartum. I, I think that my mental health really matters. Um, other people are like, oh, I'm willing to kind of deal with it just in case there could be any negative consequences, right? Everyone has to do that risk-benefit analysis for themselves. This is a similar type of a situation. I have my own thing that I advise people of when they ask me for advice. But again, that's just like from I've been there and here's what I would say to do, you know? Sure. Um, so yeah, so I, I waited. I did not choose to body feed uh, Leo after he was born. Um, and so I waited about, I was going to wait six weeks my body wasn't really healed from labor and childbirth. And so I think I end up waiting like eight weeks. I really just trusted, like I really just listened to my body. Yeah. And let it, let it do it, let it do its thing and heal. Cause squeezing a baby out of your body is hard work. Um, physically, physically, yeah. emotionally, yes, but even physically it's hard. And that I, you know, I really felt that my body needed the estrogen to heal from childbirth. So I gave it a little more time. Got it. Got it. But everyone Thank decides so for themselves. Much. Yeah, it's such a beautiful journey, though, that you're sharing. And you're such a pioneer, right, in that way. I know that there is a, you know, trans getting pregnant community, but you with your book and your work with families, all the things that you do, uh, you're such a pioneer. And I really appreciate that you, you know, are accessible and out there so that people can get good information from you. Yeah, um, I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands of transgender men gave birth before I came along. And so I'm really indebted to them for all the support they gave me um, and all the paths that they trod ahead of me so that I was able to do it. And I, I hope to continue on in their legacy to make it even easier for the next batch of people who have babies. Right. That's, that's my goal. Yeah, that's beautiful. Very nice. Tell me about your brain going off testosterone. How was that for you? I mean, I don't know about my brain per se. I just know that it was way, way, way harder than I ever thought it was going to be. You know, more about that. Well, I remember going on testosterone and how wild that was, how wild that was physically for my body to be going through all of those changes and emotionally, you know, those fits of anger, of energy, and the way that it, they manifested, you know, I was so short-tempered, but, you know, I just thought that's like 15 years, that's a decade and a half ago. Surely I'm more of a, like, capital A adult now that I can deal with these things, um, but I was really unprepared for how, how short-tempered, um, how irritable I was going to be. The, like, fits of um, uh, exhaustion as well, you know, like, I, I just think that largely we have no idea, largely as human beings, how very much of our personality is determined by the mix of, like, chemicals in our brain and hormones in our bodies. I mean, in, in some ways, I felt a little bit like a different person, not always, not totally, but it was just, yeah, it was just really, really irritable. 
and I got pregnant so quickly as well. And so I don't know how much of it was my body's sort of like quote unquote natural hormonal stasis or the like being pregnant stuff. I have no idea, but I know that I was a real B-I-T-C-H to be around. <laughs> and I said, sorry, a lot yeah. to my family. I'm really sorry that I lost my temper. I'm really sorry that I raised my voice. Uh, you know, I'm really sorry that I got so angry and had such little patience for you about, you know, around that thing that we talked about earlier. Like I just did a lot of apologizing and I'm super glad that that is over. Yeah. I did a lot of crying when I first mm. went off. I was already at such a low dose of testosterone that I could not titrate off. So I had to just go cold Turkey. So for me, it was like the first six months were a little like, now I was also going through a very intense time with our family at that at that time. So, you know, I don't know how much of that was the emotionalness of what was going on with my kids at the time. And my, my wife, you know, we were just having a family thing we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, and it all was like a perfect storm. So it all, you know, showed us go have testosterone now. Cause <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> it was insane. So I cried for probably the first, it felt like I cried for six months <laughs> a little bit. But for me, what I noticed, and I noticed still, because people ask me constantly, what's the difference, right? What's the difference between being a, having a man on, having a brain on testosterone and having a brain not on testosterone? And there's not a ton of difference, right? To me, there's not a, and I know from neuroscience studies that the difference between women's brain and men's brains are hardly anything. Like there's not, a, a, there's more things that they're alike than they are different, right? So the hormone in and of itself is the, the chemical is the, is the game changer, right? Big time. And for me, the thing that um, what's, and I, and I try to, uh, it's hard for me to articulate this, but for me, part of the reason that I went off testosterone, I have always identified obviously as a non-binary human. I use the word genderqueer, which in the, our community is the only place that had that word, right? So that word did not exist in the world, in the, in the, in the world. And so people just obviously assumed I was a man, no matter where I went, no matter how out I was, no matter how much I said, I don't, I'm not right. <laughs> it didn't matter. That's, you know, and still people take me as male or as a man, but what's different for me now is there was something on the testosterone after 18 years. And I talk about it like I was an undercover white guy for 18 years um, because there's something about being on the testosterone and being affirmed as male and giving that white male privilege that I felt like over time, I started to be it. And I didn't. And when the Me Too movement hit, for me, it was so powerful because I was coaching women ages 35 to 75 and all of them had a Me Too story. I had a Me Too story. Every trans man I know has Me Too stories. Every, you know, female bodied born human has a Me Too story. So, you know, at that moment, it's having that come to me. It was like this great timing for me that had me remember how woman identified I was. And then I'd already started, you know, using they, them pronouns, using the word non-binary because I'd always been a genderqueer. For me, it was just like, why am I on testosterone? I might as well go off this. I'm a non-binary human anyway. So then going off the testosterone, one of the first things I noticed was, A, I'm way more conscious about how people are perceiving me. But B, I don't have those flashes. There's like, for me, it was like flashes of like sex thoughts or, you know, like it was just like, it was just like, <laughs> I mean, one of my trans friends um, 
talked about it like it's sex always tapping you on the shoulder like it's just right there all the time hello like right there and it's like every five seconds right there and that's definitely gone and i noticed that being gone for me because i do a lot of work with women i happened to be at a women's retreat and there were a hundred cisgender women there and me i was the only masculine body a you know masculine presenting human there and I'd been there for 24 hours. I noticed I hadn't had one weird was a little thought like that. And so as I pay attention, um, I just feel like I have a little bit less distraction because of that. Right. So that's the only thing I can put my finger on that's different. That's significantly different of being my brain off the juice versus on the testosterone. Um, and that's the only thing I've really noticed, but that's been my experiences. It's that lack of like, distracting kind of, you know, little notice there. That part is really, it's huge. And I think it's given me so much more empathy, you know, as you know, of course, like I have a lot of me too stories myself. Um, and it also gives me so much more empathy for, for men, you know, to, to have that constant tapping on the shoulder, to use your analogy, and to not be given the tools for how to manage that in a healthy way, like that sucks. We're even taught that that's going to do, our guys even taught that that's going to start happening to them. Because that's yeah. one of the things with my boys, it's like, I want to make sure when the testosterone enters their system that they understand that this is going to start happening to them because nobody had those conversations other than a few trans guys. Nobody really ever had those conversations with me. And it was shocking. And I agree for me, there's lots of things. And I'm part of my goal is to have a few um, cishet men on that have seen the show um, because I think there's so much that I know now about men's experience that I have compassion for that before I just made them wrong. <laughs> Before I'm like, men suck, you know, and I still, you know, don't identify as a man, but boy, do I have way more compassion for some of their experiences that I have had, you know, whether I wanted to have them or not, because that's just how the world was going. Right. And that's how I was treated. So I have a lot more compassion for men because of that. Agree. Yeah. It is not fun. You know, it's no. really not fun to have this drive moving you forward. And, and for me feeling it like really call me to to manipulate to be dishonest with people i was dating so i could get more from them and it was it was a constant battle having to be like nope not gonna do that no nope, right. not gonna do that you right. know and and yeah it is it is hard having you know raising kids and trying to think about how can i work with them to see you know to know this is coming and here's what you do with it Right. Um, and yeah, so that was a big shift going off of testosterone, the, the dynamic with my partner totally changing to now my partner is the one who's like, um, are, are we ever going to do it again or what? And you'd be like, oh my God, I didn't even think about it. I mean, sure. Do you, if you want to, you know, that's just like a very different dynamic than I'm used to. Right. And so, yes, that, that did flip although, and, and now like on the other side of going off of testosterone, having a baby postpartum you know, now everything's sort of back to quote unquote normal. We've still been together for 11 years, right. you know? So yeah. those early days are, are gone and now things right. are a little bit more sustainable and, you know, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What a ride. It was wild. Yeah. So yeah, it must have this amazing partner. Can we give him some love? Cause my God, <laughs> seriously, what a journey for him. Well, right. Yes. 
my partner is Biff. And I mean, what's interesting is talking to cisgender women who've been pregnant, talking to their husbands. When I talk to them, they're like, oh, this all seems completely typical of pregnancy. Hmm. Like this is totally typical that your sex drives goes like way up or way down or both sometimes in the same week, <laughs> you know, that you're irritable, that you're moody, that you are a little bit more sensitive, both physically and emotionally. Um, that your body is wrecked postpartum, you know, and that you have to say sorry a lot. And even they are like, why did you say sorry? Like you're pregnant. You get to like have that. I'm like, mm -mm -mm -mm. no, 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 no. <laughs> I never get to be mean to my family, period. Right, right. And if it happens, like I, it is up to me to repair right. it. Right, And they're like, oh, well, I didn't do that. I'm like, mm, maybe you should. <laughs> so like, yes, totally. Yeah. Yes. Like my partner was a badass and was incredibly supportive through my pregnancy postpartum. And is just always supportive period as I try to be supportive in return. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it's, it's my understanding that pregnancy is just a beast yeah. and that, uh, and, and people just don't talk about it enough. Right. Right. And parenting is like, wow, what a, what a, what a job, right? <laughs> I mean, parenting is, is, uh, it's uh, that'll turn you inside out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, is there anything that you would like, I would like us to, first of all, know where we can all find you, where we can find your resources. If anybody is interested in looking you up, like, and then anything else you'd like to share with our audience? I'd love to. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, I wrote a book about my story and it, it really is it's really not for trans people it's for right. straight people right it's for cisgender people right um and so it uses like very accessible language you know so it's a really great entry point in to the work um and i think that a lot of trans folks would find it like absurdly boring i'm like great cool not for you you know right. exactly um it's it's so that when you know it's I got, it was interviewed by another trampa, another trans elder, um, who was like, oh, I kind of imagine that this is a book that like a trans person buys for their mom. And I'm like, yes, that's what it is. <laughs> yes. It is like for your mom, you know, yeah. but it's called how we do family. Um, lots of parenting tips and tricks alongside, um, just our story of, of how we became a family and fell in love and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And so it's called How We Do Family. You can get it at hopefully your independent queer owned bookstore. If there isn't one and you live remotely, there's lots of really great indie places you can buy it online. Perfect. Um, the audiobook comes out. Ooh, it will have already come out by the time you play this interview. So especially for people who have um, learning differences, if you have dyslexia or you are dyslexic and you, an audiobook works better for you, that is there available nice. on Audible and all the other places. Um, and we will have all those yeah. links. We'll post all those links too, so that we can make sure we get that. And by that, and by the time Thank we do you. this, your audio book will be out. We'll post a link to that, so we can make sure that people yeah, 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 yeah. get that. And um, if you want to see baby pictures, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Biff and I. My partner's name is Biff, and so perfect. Love that Biff name. I. Um, Biff is yeah. a great name. Did yeah. he choose that name, or did his parents' name him Biff? Yep, yep, yep. Um, his that's well. His family always called him Biff. Um, his bio name is he's a junior and he was named after his bio dad, um, okay. who is not a nice person. Ah, got and it. so six years ago, I don't know, on his 30th birthday, um, 
he was like my birthday present to myself as I am officially changing my name to Biff. And we were like, okay, sure. Maybe you want. Yeah. That's far fantastic. be it for my, me to say you can't right? change your name. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're all about the name change. <laughs> yeah. And for <laughs> whatever folks, you want to be called. Yeah. Well, this is a big, Ooh, this is coming up in my family a lot because our four-year-old keeps changing his name like every other day or so. Uh, um, and he isn't quite sure like what is typical for names in our culture. Right. So, you know, we named him Leo. And then for several weeks, like three or four weeks, he decided that he wanted his name to be Bubbles. We were like, sure, no problem. I was like, why'd you pick Bubbles? He's like, I, he's like, oh, you know, he has these funny ways of talking because of COVID. He spends so much time with grownups. So he's picked up grownup <laughs> mannerisms, you know? So he's like, oh, you never asked me that before. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't think to, but I'm asking now. And he's like, yeah, well, I just thought it was cool. Everybody. <laughs> Um, but now we're getting into some weirder name territory. And so he was crayon last week. This week he's weird Lammy. And again, even, even Biff, even my partner, even our 11 year old who goes by mm. a different name, uh, than, you know, what, what was on the birth certificate, um, even now it is like everyone else is like oh my god can someone please tell him to just pick a name and I'm like no I will not right he's four he's four Who cares right. he's not in school even he's not even right. in preschool it's not even like right. other kids are going to tease him let him be weird lammy for a few days <laughs> who cares who cares who cares yeah, exactly um so exactly. yes so Biff is my partner and then also the other thing I was going to say is for trans folks who are listening or other people who want to learn more about family building and fertility, my like passion project is Transfertility Co. And so that's okay. transfertility.co online. Like there's a whole website, articles, interviews with trans people who've been through all kinds of fertility processes, including nice. trans women who've induced lactation and they're breastfeeding their babies. Nice. Um, so much cool stuff there. Nice. Um, trans youth, interviews with trans youth and their parents who did fertility preservation before transitioning. So there's all kinds of cool stuff there. And that's, that is transferred at Transfertility on Instagram and Facebook. So lots of places where you can dig into that work. That's just my passion project. That's I keep having these like fertility clinics reach out and be like, oh, can we sponsor something? I was like, no, you cannot. I do not want any sponsored content. I don't want anything that is pay to play. It's literally just, we are here to serve the community. I pay out of my own pocket, someone to manage it. We only create resources based on what people say they want and what I think they need based on having worked with trans folks all over the globe. So yeah. 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 And there's a calendar there too, calendar right. of events. So people, you know, if providers want to learn more about how to be inclusive, yes. um, they can attend workshops. Yes. If you are a trans person who like wants to learn more like you want your own labor and delivery class lots of cool stuff on the calendar that's brilliant well you know one of my um as i mentioned i want to be the place that straight says people come for information like i don't mind being that resource at all i appreciate that you are that resource that your book is for you know people who are seeking that you're have constantly been a resource for people to access uh better and good information real information <laughs> right information so um i just adore you and i appreciate you so much and i thank you so much for uh sharing yourself with us and for coming to the gender reveal party of course thank you i was promised cake and there was no cake so oh, i man. expect cake if i, come I will back. be sending you some cake <laughs> that is for sure <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to the Gender Reveal Party podcast. I hope you loved it. 
And if you did, would you take a second and go do all the things like subscribe, rate, review, tell all your friends. Apparently, if you do that, the podcast platforms are more likely to share it. And if you think these stories are important, please take three minutes to just go do that. I'd really appreciate it. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at The Gender Reveal Party. And on Twitter, I'm at Prior J. It's a real joy and privilege to bring you this podcast. Come back soon. Love you, bye. <laughs>